they do. You don't know what they sacrifice. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network, as well as all social medias. We are live bringing this show to you. So if you're normally listening on podcast form and you'd like to see the video and uh, just join any of my social media networks at Real Greg Bolden, you'll find it. Make sure you're heading over to AmericaOutloud.news where you can find all my colleagues' work as well as the great Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Paul Engel, the constitutional scholar, and support all the other uh, great people that are there. So AmericaOutloud.news to be able to check that out. Let's get straight into it. We have a great show for you. As always, it's the weekly recap, but we have a guest because of our show that we did on Wednesday with Lefty Lehman. Chris Michaels, what were we talking about on Wednesday with Lefty? Oh, how to tolerate tolerate others and be civil when differences of opinion are in the room. <laughs> we really were, right? We, we talked about the civility of society yeah. and whether or not it was collapsing and what was causing that collapse, right? And right. we got into everything from January 6th all the way through to uh, taxation of the rich with him. And I eventually outlined that he was highlighting the Communist Manifesto, that he went through the 10 tenets of it and was saying, look, look you are advocating for Marxism. And he owned it and he was happy to own it. But during that conversation, he kept referring to January 6th as an insurrection. And so our guest today, I think, knows a thing or two about whether or not he believes January 6th was an insurrection, if that's what he participated in. We have none other than the media labeled, and I'm putting media labeled because I'm not sure that he gave himself that label. I highly doubt it. The mm -hmm. QAnon shaman. <laughs> the guy right. who became a media icon, I think that's a, the word to use for this, uh, because he became the face. So much so, I've gotten hate for me about to bring his face up here in just a moment from people in my DMs, from people on my Facebook, personal acquaintances that I've had for years. Like, why are you giving this guy a platform? Like, you haven't even listened to the interview yet. Right. Like I want to get to know the guy because he's running for Congress in Arizona. And I believe as Americans, we deserve to know who we're voting for. All I know is the guy that got up on January 6th and later pled guilty to it and owned his actions. I now want to know, like, what's he want to do for America? Why is he running? Does he believe it's going to be a good election? You think these are good questions to ask him? I believe they're fantastic questions to ask him. There's All so right, let's, many to ask. Let's, let's, do, let's do it then. Jake. How are you doing this evening? Doing well. Thank you for having me. We're glad that you're here, brother. Absolutely glad you're here. I know there's some people that are not glad that I'm hosting you. Do you get that from other uh, hosts ever? Do they share that with you, that there's this division that's created from having you on the show? Absolutely. <laughs> so You do get that? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, well, some people more than others, but Absolutely. It's interesting because people were equating me having you on the show as to contributing to somebody who murdered uh, police officers. And I don't know. I don't know what your actions were exactly that day outside of what I read. But from what I understand, they said that outside of statements that you shouted and a statement that you wrote on Mike Pence's uh, podium, that uh, you maintain peace. 
uh, that you were not a violent person. And when you walked in, you didn't go through the broken glass. You didn't shove police officers. Was that an accurate statement or not? Yeah, I walked through open doors and within 30 seconds of entering the building, I stopped somebody from stealing. Whether Now, it was just muffins out of the break room, but it's about the principle of the matter. You know, we're not here to steal. We're not here to vandalize. We're, you know, what are you doing, bro? Like, stop it. So, and then the whole reason why the police were escorting me around the building, like in Tucker Carlson's footage that he aired, was because I offered to help them clear the Senate. I offered to help them to stop people from vandalizing or stealing or, you know, any violence occurring. That's why I sat in the, sat in the vice president's chair so I could have a view of the whole room. And then after I made it out of the building, shortly thereafter, I stopped people from breaking in. I played Donald Trump's tweet telling everybody to go home and I told everybody to go home. I was trying to be an agent of peace on that day. And the Mockingbird media, obviously that was counter to their narrative. Well, I, I find this kind of interesting because, you know, one of the things that uh, Lefty Lehman had said to us during, he's like, why did they go there? Why were they there? So in your words, why did you go to, I guess, is, would you would you label that Stop the Steal? Was that the Stop the Steal rally at that point in time? What What is the official name of the rally at that point? Well, it was the MAGA Million March. It was the third MAGA Million March. I went to the second one on December 12th. Everything was fine. Everything was peaceful. I expected more of the same. So why I went both on the December 12th and on January 6th was because Washington is two reasons, really. Washington, D.C. is built on electromagnetic ley lines, okay? And these are the same ley lines upon which all pyramids and obelisks, all ancient temples and medicine wheels are built. So these are like sacred sites. And as a shamanic practitioner, I felt it necessary to ensure that the highest level frequencies and vibrations of peace and love and harmony were plugged into the electromagnetic grid system, that that, that was what was being put into the, uh, the ley lines. So that was my initial reason. That and... Look, there's been a long string of abuses that have taken place on from our government to the American people, whether it be the Federal Reserve being installed in 1913, whether it be the Tuskegee experiments or the radiation experiments that were conducted on American citizens in major cities, whether it be uh, the JFK assassination and the propaganda campaign that ensued afterward, or it be things like... Uh, Waco, Texas, Oklahoma City, 9-11, the Boston bombing, the Vegas shooting, the Russia, Russia, Russia for four years with no evidence, clearly a lie, 33,000 emails deleted, no prosecution for Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, no prosecution for Hillary Clinton, the weaponization of the Justice Department, the spying on a president, the hundred, then there's like COVID, the lockdowns, everybody was put on house arrest basically by the federal government. Then there's the riots in 2020, the, for which 90 to 95% of all federal charges were dropped on those rioters who literally caused billions of dollars in damage, harmed thousands of police officers, killed people in the streets, looted stores. Then there's the Hunter Biden laptop suppression. Then there's the election. And so there is a long string of abuses that have taken place. And if you don't believe that the government is capable of covert actions against American citizens, I urge you to look into Operation Northwoods. So we talk on our show between Chris and myself, we'll get into a lot of those type of topics. Um, so our audience is likely already familiar with it. Um, 
I want to stick with for just a brief moment, uh, DC in that day. So you're saying it's because of the lines you're wanting to bring positive energy. Um, did you feel that you were contributing the positive energy when you were yelling things like the trader Mike Pence and you left the note on his desk? How does that contribute the positive energy as a Christian man? You know, somebody who does believe in peace and everything. How was that contributing to that? How would you describe that? Well, I didn't say fuck the trader Mike Pence. What I said was Okay, I saw that in a document recorded about words on your official court case. So that's where I got it. No, what what it was is I said Mike Pence is a fucking traitor. (laughs) Okay. I misquoted. Thank you. (laughs) And um, what I also wrote was it's only a matter of time, justice is coming. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm for justice. So Mm -hmm. the idea of justice coming is not a threat whatsoever. And in the Native American tradition, the way that the Native Americans think is like the most courageous thing that you can do is not an act of violence. Like for them, going and riding across the battlefield on your horse and knocking one of the enemy off their horse with a stick, that is the highest level of accomplishment. Or in the case of uh, like if you have a rival in another tribe that is threatening you, then what you do is you ride out to their TP or you ride out to their tribe and then you walk up behind them and you place your hand on their shoulder. And it's your way of showing I'm not afraid of you and I hear what you're saying. And guess what? I could have come up and done something, but I didn't. It's a show of restraint. And, you know, all strong and great men are also gentle because they are strong, because they are great. And, you know, I consider what I do, what I did and what I said to be a gentle tap on the shoulder. Okay. Um, So when you're there, did you go and watch Donald Trump? I never read your entire story, like how your day unfolded. So I just want to kind of paraphrase things. You saw Donald Trump's speech and then did you march to the Capitol or did you start at the Capitol with a group? No, I I started out listening to him at the Ellipse. Okay. And so you made your way over to the Capitol. The the question that Chris and I had when we were going through here is, how did you get up front? Were you leading the way? Because this plays into why I want to try to figure out, how did you become the face of January 6th? I'm trying to understand why it is outside of like, yeah, you look like a character with, you know, the horns and the Viking attire type of gear, um, your spear with the American flag. But you literally are the identifiable face, so much so that I have people give me emotional responses for simply talking to you this evening, people that are upset. So I know that the media used your image. What I'm trying to figure out is how did you get to the very front from there? How are you one of the first 30 people in? Like, how is your day unfolding? Were you with a group that was part of the leadership of this or not the leadership of the event. I don't, I'm not referring to that, but leadership of like a March over to there where you're like, everybody let's go over. You got the megaphone, like walk me through. How do you get to the front of that moment? Well, what happened is I was listening to Donald Trump's speech and God love him. It was kind of boring and repetitive. And I, I saw people, you know, walking toward the Capitol. And I thought, all right, well, I guess everybody's going to the Capitol to protest. So I was actually a part of the third wave of people that made their way to the Capitol. And um, when I got there, I went up like the, the, uh, like the tower to look and see what was going on. And then I saw, that was when I saw, you know, things are kind of getting out of hand as the police were throwing like concussion grenades and tear gas into the crowd, peaceful crowd, 
Okay. And I got down and I was let trying me ask, to let me, let, let me ask you that question. I don't think people concentrate on this part of the question. What happened first? Like the shot heard around the world. Did the crowd get violent or did the police take actions that made the crowd violent? What in your opinion happened that was the inciting event that actually caused the raucous of civilians beating up cops, cops beating up civilians? Cause that did happen. I mean, that's a fact of the day, but like from your vantage point, how did that go down or was it already happening by the time you got up there? Well, no, it, it, what happened as far as my recollection is that it, all hell broke loose when they continued to throw concussion grenades and tear gas into the peaceful crowd. Now, if you throw concussion grenades and tear gas into a crowd full of veterans, a crowd full of you know peaceful people, then what is going to happen is that people are going to move away from the concussion grenades and tear gas. They're going to both move forward and move backward. And so if you throw it in the middle, then what's going to happen? And so that kept happening and kept happening. And that, uh, in my opinion, was probably what incited the chaos. Um, Also, the shot heard around the world. The police shot a rubber bullet at a dude's face that was standing by the barriers. So, like, the thing is, dude, is that the whole thing was a setup. And that's what we're going to ask. Do you believe it was staged? To answer your question, though, uh, because I want to answer your question. Mm -hmm. The... People on the wet on the on the side of the Senate that made their way into the building first. That I I went in. I was one of the first thirty in the building. I was like I think number twenty six because I saw all the stuff that was going on outside, and I was like, oh my god, they're literally like they're going into the building, you know. The only way that I figured I could ensure that there was no violence or chaos or theft or vandalism was to go in and ensure that was the case. Hence why the first thing that I did when I got in there was stop somebody from stealing. Hence why I offered to help the police in the Senate. Hence why I stopped people from breaking in when I got out. Okay, so really what it comes down to as far as how I became the face is because I was the most shocking of all images inside the building. The Mockingbird media used the chaos outside in common and the shock and awe with that in combination with the image of me inside and the shock and awe to my image to mirror the two, to create the illusion that there was chaos inside, just like there was outside. Do you believe that there's an accurate description that it was chaos inside or did you see something different? Because there's reports of people uh, defecating in the Capitol, urinating. Uh, Is that stuff that you witnessed or uh, is that blown out of proportion? Because that is the reports that came out in the media and Nancy Pelosi. Um, No, I did not see anything like that. No, I did not see any chaos inside the building. I think the release of the recent January 6th footage shows that there was no real chaos inside the building like there was outside. And when it comes to things that were reported by the Mockingbird media, well, they also reported that four police officers died on that day. None of that was true. They said that Officer Sicknick died that day to being hit in the head with the fire extinguisher. That was not true. The only people that died on that day inside that building were protesters, Ashley Babbitt, Rosalind Boylan, and a few others. So, you know, the Mockingbird media's narrative is heavily distorted. They came up with the term, in, they came up with the narrative of in, an insurrection. Nobody that has been charged in the January 6th proceedings has been charged with insurrection. Not Which even is, the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers. Yeah, and Jake, I, I brought that up on Wednesday of the show. First, we looked at Black's Law and the definition of insurrection. 
The reason why the term insurrection got popular in the United States, and I point out that it's only popular in the United States, you can go to the UK media and you will find out they only refer to it as a protest or they refer to it as a riot. Um, but if you go outside of the BBC, the Sky News or any other news organization, BBC is the only one using the word insurrection. There's a reason for that. Because if they could get the insurrection charge the stick, it disqualifies Donald Trump from being able to run for president in the future. That is the only reason that word is used. You can call it a violent protest at times. Absolutely. I'll support that. You can even go as far as saying there's people that deserve to be in jail uh, for that. Not even as far because there are people that deserve to be in jail for their actions. I 100% believe that. And I believe you do as well, because I saw your statement. You actually said I may be guilty of this crime, absolutely, but I am in no way, shape, or form a dangerous criminal. I'm not a domestic terrorist. I'm not an insurrectionist. So if you're not an insurrectionist and these others, how would you define what happened? How would you define yourself? Well, if you want to see what an insurrection looks like, just look, look at what happened in Afghanistan during the botched withdrawal. I'll start with that. How do I see myself? I see myself as a spiritual activist who's willing to throw themselves on they're on a sword and literally like challenge a soulless machine of corruption so that future generations will be free and don't have to be slaves to less than 1% of the population. Hmm. Chris, what do you think, you know, we're hearing about this. One other thing, Jake, Jake, before I go over to um, Chris, your attorney stated a while back, and I'm curious now, as you're running for Congress and, and getting ready to ramp up this campaign, you stated that you love Donald Trump and were answering the call of your president. Do you believe now that your attorney's words were an accurate description of why you went there? My previous attorney misrepresented me and my, uh, my beliefs on several occasions. He said that I felt duped by Donald Trump. I never said that, never asked him to say that. He said that I denounced and renounced the QAnon conspiracy theories. Never asked him to say that, never said that. Um, he also said that I was schizophrenic, bipolar, de depressed, and delusional. None of that is true. None of that was in my psychological evaluation. In fact, the antithesis of that was in my psyche eval. It said that I was not being diagnosed as schizophrenic and I was not delusional. So there are so many things that my previous attorney said that were not true. Now, I went to January 6th, just like I went to December 12th, because of the reasons I just gave you. All right. Chris, you and I talked about, we feel the whole thing was staged, right? That when you look, when you look at everything, <laughs> it, it really feels like a, a staged event, especially with the fact that the, these camera crews were all over. There were some interesting things that you noticed about it. Do you want to share some of that with Jake and ask some questions? Well, to me, the whole thing seems staged. And I wanted to ask you since we're there, um, did you notice anything along the lines of agent provocateurs or fifth columnists? Uh, we saw some of this January 6th video coming out over the past week or so that had people pushing the protesters into the building. Now, to me, that seems like you have agent provocateurs that are trying to create a situation. They cause the damage and then they run off. So did you see anything like that? Um, yes and no. 
Um, at the time, I didn't. At the time, I didn't recognize what was happening. Okay, um, there's a lot of craziness and chaos going on. So, if we want to sure. talk about, I don't. I don't think that the word "staged" is the correct verbiage. I think the word "set up" sure. is more of a correct term. And I have my reasons for believing that. I wrote a uh, op-ed for the Gateway Pundit called uh, "It uh, January 6th was a PSYOP and I can prove it. So there was a setup on behalf of entities within the FBI, the Pentagon, and the Capitol Police, Yogananda Pittman um, and uh, Julie Farnham, her underling. And the fact that they did not allow information regarding what may happen on January 6th to get to Capitol Police Chief Sun. Also, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell took away Chief Sun's emergency powers to invoke the National Guard at his will. He had to ask them through paperwork if it was okay. They denied him because they said that there was bad optics and there was a lack of evidence. Now, that evidence that would have been necessary to get the National Guard there was intentionally suppressed, in my opinion, by the FBI, by the Pentagon, and by Yogananda Pittman. Okay? Now, when we move forward to the day of, obviously no National Guard was there. The Capitol Police were set up just as much as the protesters. Okay? And Chief Sun said that the Capitol uh, was crawling with federal agents and it was crawling with Antifa and BLM by their own admission. They've mm -hmm. said so online. And also, it was also, uh, uh, there were, it was a Ukrainian spy and film crew that was there on that day. Sergei Dubinin from One Plus One Media, owned by the Ukrainian oligarch Igor Kolomoisky, who was the responsible for the Privet Bank, the first national bank after the coup in Ukraine, also for the responsible for the rise of Vladimir Zelensky to the presidency and with ties to Burisma. Okay, right. so all of that is there. Now, let's also talk about the, you know, the concussion grenades and the tear gas being thrown into the crowd. Then we talk about like what you're talking about regarding people being pushed into the building or agent provocateurs coaxing people into committing crimes, etc. Um, then we look at, for example, that recent video that came out where the police officer was talking about going undercover in the crowd as Antifa. We see that video where that guy was handcuffed and he had his handcuffs taken off. His face was covered and he gives the cops a fist bump. What's up with that? OK, so there's all of these things that indicate that there was something else going on behind right. the scenes for weeks prior. Right. Right. So I just wanted to know if you had any first accounts, firsthand accounts of any of that. If you don't, if you didn't see anything along those lines, that's fine, too. So, I mean, you probably saw all kinds of events and all kinds of chaos and discord on that day, too. So, like, I'll do I'll mention one other camera person that was there, and that was Michael Voss. Do you know who he is? Michael Voss was Nancy Pel or is uh, not was Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law, and I think he took a selfie with you. Did you know that that was who it was? No, no dude. Idea, I, right? If you look at that, if you look at that photo along with the photo of the the selfie that Sergey Dubinin took, I'm either doing this yeah. or I'm doing this. Yeah. And it's because I'm posing for a photo with somebody sure. I don't know. But I let's, took hundreds of photos, hundreds of photos. Right. Let's yeah. let's let's allow America to hear the absolute absurdity of what Chris just said to Jake. You had a selfie taken with you by Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law, who was filming outside. 
Is that correct, Chris? That's exactly what you're talking about. And absolutely. Right. <laughs> I mean, yet, yeah. I mean, perfectly normal. You know, that's yeah, right. Like, what are the odds? Right. <laughs> let's not let's not question that whatsoever. <laughs> there was somebody else, uh, Jake, that was standing next to you, and it made me think about uh, faith earlier when you said you come for peace. I'm curious, uh, how would you describe your faith background? Um, as a shaman, do you have Christianity as roots? Do you describe it more as uh, being part of Native American uh, ritualistic, or how would you describe your spirituality? Well, I think that Christ was the ultimate shaman, and I am myself a disciple of Christ, and I walk in his shamanic footsteps. Now, that may not necessarily make a lot of sense to somebody who who is a believer in the Christian dogma, but I will explain to you why it is that I believe what I believe and how it relates to Christ and shamanism. So I practice shamanism. I practice it for over 10 years, and the core tenets of shamanism are as follows. Well, first let's define shaman. Shaman is a Siberian or Mongolian term. It means simply the one who knows. And anthropologists have used it as a catch-all blanket term for all indigenous philosophy regarding, you know, uh, the spirit world and, you know, spirits and, you know, ancestors and the, the world of nature, etc. So all shamanic cultures are essentially the basis for all modern religions. Now, in shamanic cultures, they all have the same core beliefs that life is uh, permeating the entire universe through a unified field of energy or a one spirit, the great mm -hmm. spirit, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, they also believe in the idea of a spirit world and that there is positive and negative spirits that exist within. They also believe in the idea of prayer, meditation, and trance states that allow them to get in touch and in tune with God and make co uh, contact with these angelic spirits. Um, they also all believe in the idea of song and dance and, and uh, singing and drumming, which also helps them to get into an altered state of consciousness. It also drives away evil spirits and invites positive ones. They, can all, they also all believe in healing and healing people and that healing people can also like expel demons from people's bodies, etc. exorcism. Um, they also all believe in sacraments and some plants being healing for the body, some plants, you know, warding off evil spirits like sage or incense or some plants that allow an individual to obtain an altered state of consciousness that allows them to perceive the spirit world and the presence of God. They also all believe in ordeals and going through ordeals. So prolonged periods of suffering so that the tribe doesn't have to suffer. Negative timelines can be avoided, disease, war. Uh, famine, etc., death, those things can be avoided and positive timelines can be created so long as the shaman goes through these ordeals. Now, if we think about what Christ did in his life, he taught people how to pray. He expelled demons from people's bodies, right? He healed people and he went through ordeals, things like the 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, you know, the, the passion itself. And if you look into the work of John Allegro, who was a Aramaic scholar for 20 years, world renowned, until he wrote a book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, where he deciphered the Dead Sea Scrolls and said, from what I'm reading here, it's Jesus either ate psychedelic mushrooms or they were, it was code term for psychedelic mushrooms that the Israelites used so that the Romans wouldn't get their hands on them. Now, Christ was in a scene. 
Okay, and the scene are, is like the lowest caste of the Hebrew caste system. They're like desert wandering nomadic hippies that practice the ancient shamanic traditions of the Hebrews as they wandered through the deserts. Okay, so I have good reasons for believing what I do about Christ. I walk in Christ's footsteps, but I also have good reasons for believing what I do about shamanism. And if you look into all the things that I just listed that are the core basics of shamanic beliefs, then all religions in one way or another are practicing shamanism in one form or another based on different labels and based on different tongues. Okay. So one of the things that Chris pointed out to me was your tattoos. Um, in one of your tattoos, uh, he had some questions about, and that's why I wanted to ask you about that as a background. I know you spent time as an actor previously, according to the reports. So that's what reports no, said. Nope. nope that's never, awesome. Okay. Okay. Never mind. That's just what people report. And again, that's uh, well, why I, I want to ask clarity, you. Just to create clarity, I had an acting profile along with a voiceover okay. profile online. Now, if you look at the acting profile, what you're going to find is that there is no history of acting experience. There is no acting school that I went to. And the pictures that are on that acting profile, I think there's four of them, are pictures that were taken with the cell phone inside of my apartment. Okay, so there's no professional headshots there. All right. Anybody that does their due diligence is going to look at that and go, well, this this guy's not much of an actor. I never got any acting work. I got some voiceover work because I can do over 30 different voices and accents, but I've never acted a day in my life. We might have to hear that before the end of the show, too, here. That sounds fun. Um, so the reason why I was asked about acting is because Chris had a, a thought that possibly you practice Scientology at some point in time. Um, is that anything? No, okay. I I looked into all religions on the planet, and that includes Scientology, and I dismiss all religions and their dogma. I practice shamanism. Tell, tell him why, Chris, just so he knows. Well, not ne not necessarily that you are a Scientologist, right? Um, yeah. Well, just looking at at the tattoo on your chest, um, the three triangles. Talking about that right? one right there. Yeah. Now that that's what from that's called the Volknot. Right. It's called the Volknot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I couldn't pronounce that, so thanks. Uh, what was also interesting, I found a video of you. It's about 12 or 13 seconds long. And it was right before you went in through the doors. So there's a couple of you there. And the person that's taking the video is behind you. Um, and somebody is shouting something. I don't know what it is. But then it then it pans over to the other side. And there's somebody in there. It's a blonde woman. And her name is probably Lee Dundas. Now, I don't know if you know who Lee Dundas is. And she's associated with uh, Scientology. She's anti-mandate, uh, anti, anti all that kind of thing. And she's also associated with Children's Health Defense, which is uh, RFK Jr. Right. Um, so I was just wondering, that's why I asked, did, did it seem like there was a lot of acting going on? Because Scientology also kind of infiltrated the, the, the like the, the nurse Erin. I don't know if you remember her during the mandates and all that. Like she had an agent and that I believe was a Scientologist, but it was just, I just found it very odd. Like you're, you're right at the doors and there's a whole bunch of other people too. And then there's, there's her right there. So I was wondering if there was any, that's why I asked you the question before about did it seem fake? Was there some kind of agent provocateur in there? And when I saw her in the background, I went, what on earth is going on? <laughs>
Yeah, we were trying to figure out if there was something more than meets the eye here, and then if you were able to yeah. shed any light onto it. So I appreciate you at the beginning of this interview going through all that with us. I do want well, to really highlight quick. the Hold Congress run. Yeah, go ahead. There is more, because I, I do want to get into the congressional run, but there's a little more to the setup and why it was set up that I think everybody needs to know. Sure. So the setup occurred, and then it went out just as smoothly as the deep state could have hoped. Then from there, the PSYOP, psychological operation, an operation intended to affect the psychology of the nation, the PSYOP ensued. Now, that being said, the PSYOP was intended to target Trump supporters and Trump himself. This is why the DOJ went to Enrique Tario, the Proud Boy founder, and said, Take this plea deal. Just say that there was a third party between you and Trump and that you helped. Uh, he helped you and you helped him to set up January 6th and you'll leave this cell in a matter of months. OK, so they wanted to get Trump and all the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers on something like insurrection and seditious conspiracy so that Trump could never run again, like mm -hmm. you were saying. But they also wanted to target all the J6ers and label them as domestic terrorists, which they largely did because what they did is instead of treating it like it was one crime that took place at the Capitol, they then, the FBI, handed out all of these individual cases to all of the FBI field offices around the country under the guise of, if I'm not mistaken, according to, uh, to Stephen Friend, the ex-FBI agent, under the guise of domestic terrorism. And so now they create this illusion that there's this domestic terrorist threat all over the country because of January 6th and tracking all these individuals around the country. Now, regarding my congressional bid, I am running as a libertarian and I am also not accepting any campaign donations. I don't want any money from people. What I'm asking for is people's support, their signatures, if they live in District 8, and their vote come election time, because all of those things are free. And I think that there's all sorts of problems that are wrong with uh, all sorts of things wrong with the American modern political system. Big money is a big problem. So I'm not going to take any money. Um, the two-party system is a big problem. So I'm running as a third-party candidate. The two-party system has divided our country, and it has taken everything from the American people in the process. And the only thing we've gotten in exchange is more wars, more poverty, more famine, more chaos, crisis after crisis after crisis, more taxes, and less freedoms. So I want to be the antithesis of that problem. I'm also not going to be running any smear campaigns on my opponents because that is also another problem. I think that if you have the best solutions, if you're the best candidate, if you have the best platform and the best plan, that's going to show you don't need to smear anybody. So I want my campaign to be antithetical to everything that's wrong with American politics. Now, the four things that I'm running on is number one, single bill voting law. First thing I'm going to introduce on the House floor as soon as I get in. Number two, an amendment for term limits for congressmen and staff. Number three, a ban or a criminalization of lobbying. And number four, 
Seven-figure fines, expulsion, and prosecution for insider trading. Now, I have a lot longer of a list of things that I want to do, but those four things will literally create obstacles to the centralization of power. It will dismantle the corrupt system, and it will really begin to put the power back in the hands of the people. So, Jake, add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, because of what we discussed with Lefty Lehman, can you put it into like a 10% flat tax on everything? Yes. Uh, 14.5. 14.5. You got to go with uh, Rand Paul's plan. Code, reformation of the tax code and the bo- abolishing of the IRS and the Fed is right after those four Perfect. things. I forgot that was part of the lefty layman conversation. Yeah, the, the 10%. I said 14.5. That was Rand Paul's plan. Uh, Jake, so the irony is not lost on me. And I wanted to ask you this question. It's like a question that's been on my mind ever since I heard you're going to run. So you go to the D.C., and you believe that the election was not fair, that the votes were not fair. Do you still feel that way? Um, yes and no. So look at it like this. If I run and I get in, which I'm running to win, I'm running to get in, then that actually is something that the deep state should want. That's something that will prove that our democratic process works, that our republic and our system works. But if they try to come at me with any sort of BS, or if they try to destroy my public image again, or if they try to create obstacles to my running in the first place, or if they rig the system, I guarantee you it will be obvious. So in a way, it's it's moves and counter moves. You see the irony, though, of of course you get, you get thrown in prison, taking the plea deal. And which, by the way, you, you only took a plea deal for one count. What was the count that you took? Because I think people think you were convicted of multiple things. Your plea deal, I read, and it's one count only. What was it? Disorderly yes, conduct, obstruction, or of, obstruction, obstruction, right. obstruction of an official proceeding. Now, hold on a second, and this is really important. That statute was created because of the Enron scandal and the fact that they were destroying documents and tax information so that they in that way they were obstructing the official proceeding of the federal case. Okay, it had nothing to do with obstructing an official proceeding that is political in nature or anything. This is why the case is uh, might very well be heard by the Supreme Court as to the validity of the way the government is bending the law to strong arm citizens who don't have the financial capability to defend themselves in court. Hmm. So it just, I keep going back to this. You're running. You've been thrown in jail for an election that at the time you've thought was stolen. Uh, Now you're kind of like, well, it's these games that are being played. What makes you think you can have any type of fair shot? I mean, one, you're coming into this as a convicted felon, which just so my listeners know, There is nothing wrong for the president or for Congress. There's nothing in the Constitution that prohibits anybody that's a convicted felon from running for that public office as a congressman or as a United States president. They can even run from jail. So before anybody tries to say, oh, Jake can't run because, no, you better read your Constitution. You better understand what that says. And my bold Americans, we already know our Constitution, so I'm sure you knew that. But for others that are listening, it is completely legal for you to run 
And the only thing I believe that you may not be able to do, but I'm not familiar with Arizona state statutes. You can't vote likely right now while you're under probation. And then maybe after seven years, depending on which state you're in, they give you back voting rights. Uh, so ironically, you will not be able to pull the lever for yourself. But what makes you think you're going to get a fair shake? Because I got God on my side. I got the truth on my side. I got the wind at my back, baby. And I'm going to tell you right now, people want change and they want what it is that I'm bringing them. And I want you to think about this before we wrap it up, because I do have to go. Think about the statement that would be made from the people to the corrupt establishment in D.C. to send me there as a congressman, let alone somebody as uh, well-versed in the problems and the solutions as myself. So much so that Matt Gates himself, after I announced my candidacy and did a Newsmax interview, Okay, where I delineated my campaign promises and my platform. This guy goes into the Congress and creates a anti-corruption bill that is three of the four things that I am running on. How about that, eh? <laughs> How about that? Oh, we got That's one of the voices. There we go. <laughs> we got the Australian voice. There we go, Chris. So I, my final question I'll ask if Chris has one because I know you need to wrap up. So in light of all this, and and honestly, I know that we only had a short amount of time. I would have loved to have gotten into like all different types of topics with you because that's normally what we do on the show. But because this is so condensed, I was like, let me make the most bang for my buck for the 30 minutes that we thought we had. We ended up getting 45. So thank you. So my final question was always going to be to wrap up with this. If you could go back to January 6th, knowing of where you want to be now running for Congress and everything else. And you went back into the same situation of that day. What would the ideal scenario and outcome have been on January 6th that was up to you? Oh, I would have stopped everything from taking place before it even happened. I would have done everything I could to to back people away from the barriers and tell them, you know, don't do no. Like, that's exactly what they want. I would have used my megaphone in every way that I could to back people up, to get them to see that it was a setup and ensure that there was no violence whatsoever. But the caveat there is who's going to listen to the guy in horns and face paint telling everybody to calm down? Well, according to the media, everybody listened. You led the entire thing. (laughs) You were spearheaded straight on through, pun intended. Garbage, bro. 100% Mockingbird Media dribble. Yeah, we'll have to get into Mockingbird Media someday with you because well, like, yeah, let's do this it, it, again. Yeah. Let's let's reschedule and then we'll do one where we have a long form. Now that your audience has got a taste for who I am and they can get their panties out of a wad, then they can actually, you know, listen to it's, me a little bit. It's honestly possibly- it's the it's the emotional response that people need to monitor for their own. I can't help them with that, right? The emotional response of if a person triggers you that much that you're like ready to cancel me or my friendship or whatever it may be, then that's on them. That's on them because I have a responsibility. And I think, Jake, you would say that I didn't play any favorites on the questions I just gave you. Would you say that was a fair interview that I just gave you? Very much so. I enjoyed it. That's why I'm saying let's do another yeah. one. Let's let's, right. go, let's dive deep. Yeah, we'll get... We'll get Michael's talking more too, because he gets into like he would have got into the whole lines, uh, Egyptians in Washington yeah, DC with you. I'm a Reiki master and I'm all yeah. oh cool. Then yeah, let's do it again, guys. It'll be fun. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jake, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the best on your run. Uh, keep us posted on what's going on here in the future. As we go, we have one final thing. Uh, a listener just said, do you have a Trump impression? So do you have a Trump impression for us to end on? No, I, I don't do Trump very well. I'm sorry to say. What's your best? You Greg? What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, work on I a Greg impression. Do a smigger, I can do a smigger Oh my precious. The precious. <laughs> they stole the election from us. <laughs> that's going to be the yeah, clip right. that uh, ends up getting put viral oh, all yeah, over to promote this, right? Stolen and posted everywhere. <laughs> Don't do so many of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, right, Jake, guys, thank you so go. much. We're going to party. We'll Watch see you later. Out. Thanks so much. Wow. What a, what a great uh, opportunity to interview him. Uh, you know what? I stand by 100% having him on the show um, to all the people that thought that, you know, uh, I was going to play it safe and not question his motives, not question. I hope that I, I asked him the questions that you would want me to ask. And I didn't let him off the hook for stuff, especially like on him stating that he was there for peace yet going after Mike Pence, um, which I think that contradicts a little bit of what he said. I'd love to pick his brain a little bit more into the future because I've heard him talk on other platforms and uh, he had just been on Donnie, the Don show uh, space on X uh, on what does Liberty look like? Uh, so you guys could listen to him talk a little bit more on that if you want to go to it. But uh, Chris, what were your thoughts? I thought he's extremely well focused and mm -hmm. um, he certainly knows timing. I'll give him that. So to say that he, he doesn't have at least a few, acting lessons maybe under his belt maybe he's not an official actor but he knew 10 minutes in boom gotta get the campaign stump out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean I, left he's, he get the... i mean and I, I did put a little comment in hey guys there's 10 minutes i did want to make sure that he yeah. could do that because ultimately that's why i wanted him on the show is because when i saw he was running for congress last week my first thought was all right this guy followed his paperwork what qualifications does he have and what's this campaign going to be all about? I think people deserve to know that this is somebody who's going to be writing policy in Washington, D.C. You know, I know you know what you get with the Republicans. I know you know what you get with the Democrats. I am a, a custodian of the Libertarian Party. Oh. And when I heard that he was going to be represented as a Libertarian, my hair stood up on my neck a bit because I'm going... Who is going to be representing us? Because the last person we had in Arizona was damn good. It was Gary Johnson. And I don't want anyone smearing the fact that Gary Johnson was a good libertarian back then. I mean, were you in Arizona back when Gary Johnson was there? I don't think so. No, okay. I, I, he, he was a good governor back then. I mean, he was he was absolutely excellent. Um, no, I was with Ducey. Do, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Never right, mind. I, I will say this. Very well thought out. Uh, very thoughtful person. Uh, especially if his shaman background mm -hmm. uh, with that, I do know a little bit about that. I am not a shaman, so I can't, <laughs> I can't relate to him on that level. Um, but for someone to do that and go down that road, you do have to have a certain level of emotional and spiritual fortitude to do stuff like that. Um, that is not a very easy road to go down if he's, if he's done it properly. Hmm. Well, let's talk about what else is going on in the world. Let's let's segue here 
uh, for a brief Isn't moment. Isn't there a to, break to coming up. up or something? Well, you know, we... Doesn't we, that happen? Yeah, well, it's been like 45 <laughs> minutes. It's going to be... How about this? We'll do an unusual. We'll do a crooked show today. Oh. Let's hit a break for the network for about 30 seconds to 60 seconds. And for those that are watching live, we're going to be right back in just a brief 60 seconds. But we got to take a network break. So when this airs on the America Out Loud network tomorrow, that we can... Uh, get into the sponsors, the people that help keep the lights on at the network and help support all the great shows that we have. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been an awesome opportunity to bring you a face that has been the official face of January 6th protest. You notice I don't say insurrection. And I think after listening to the interview, you know why I still continue not to say that. Um, and I hope that you learned something during this on the second half. When we come back, it's going to be shorter. It's not going to be an even 45 today, but when we come back, we're going to get into DeSantis and Newsom and their debate that was going on while we were doing this and whether or not I think that was a good idea or a bad idea. All right, everybody, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden and Chris Michaels here on the America Out Loud Network. We'll be right back. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. All right, welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here on American Boldened. We just wrapped up an interview with Jake and Jelly Chansley talking about his congressional run. Now we're in the final half of the show here. Chris Michaels, there is a debate that happened on Thursday night that we're missing because, well, we're doing an awesome show here. And that was Gavin Newsom took on DeSantis on the national stage. What the hell is Ron DeSantis thinking debating Gavin Newsom when he's running for governor? <laughs> is this a 
Gavin Newsom that's positioning himself to run against Joe Biden? Is this DeSantis really going, I am desperate and the only way I can be relevant is to have a big debate that pretend people actually care about? Because I'm sure people are tuning in. What the heck is going on with the Republican Party even entertaining bringing the American psycho Gavin Newsom onto a national stage? First off, every time I look at Gavin Newsom, I need a shower. That guy just oozes slime. I mean, if you upturn a log, a damp log in the middle of a forest, there's Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. I mean, this whole thing just reeks of setup. And I'll tell you why. There was, back in 2016, early 2016, I remember, and this has been memory hold. I've tried to find it. I cannot find it anymore. It was on the radio. There was a Trump campaign manager, and she quit the Trump campaign. And she said the whole idea of Trump running was to broker the Republican convention. There was no real impetus to try and get Trump into the presidency. Why? Because we found out back then that a whole bunch of Hillary PACs were funding Trump's campaign. So that's what seems like should have happened, but obviously it didn't, for the better, I think. Mm -hmm. This reeks of the same thing. Why would DeSantis do something like this? Why would you have two governors debate? One of them isn't even supposed to be running, yet he's gallivanting around China, welcoming President Xi from China, and then waltzing around the United States in a but, pseudo- but, but not before he pulled a Rudy Giuliani and he made all the people of San Francisco that were drug users disappear yeah. from the streets. Right. Well, and then admit to it. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, doubled he said, down. Like they asked him, they're like, right. Hey, uh, we noticed that the streets of San Francisco look particularly clean. And all of a sudden he goes, yeah, you're right. If you think that I uh, got all the drug users off the streets, I did. And I, I, did. I where yeah. did they go? Well, supposedly they're back. But the point is, he <laughs> where can, did they he put can them? Like time. Go in this playpen, ladies and gentlemen. You can yeah. have your heroin in here. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so this is what I think. I brought it up on uh, – I think I brought it up on the show with Lefty. Look, if this presidential election continues as is, Biden's going to be the nominee. Again, mm -hmm. he's going to be the incumbent. And so th as far as I know, the Democrat leadership can choose a candidate for president after August of 2024. So what does this really mean? It really means that they don't want Biden in there. Everybody knows they don't want Biden in there for one reason or another, right? But they can't right. get him out and they can't alienate primary voters. So as long as they can keep Biden alive until August of 24, and then he somehow drops out for whatever reason, either he assumes room temperature or they take him off the drugs and he says, I, that's it. So the Democrat leadership can then choose the presidential nominee without going to the primary voters. That's why I think you see Newsom out there because they're trying to gin up this psychological and social fabric sense that Newsom is the guy. I mean, look at what he did for COVID. You know, nobody wants to talk to him about how he was – uh, an alcoholic and drunk with a 20 year old. Uh, so <laughs> they asked him that question. He got really prickly back in the day. Uh, you saw that so video too. Thing. Yeah. That's the yeah. whole thing with this. And this is the final thing I, I, I want to bring up. How much can we trace to DeSantis's coffers? How much money is he getting for this? Because we know that Bigelow ditched him 
Bigelow mm-hmm. was his biggest funder, said, we need leadership. We need somebody that has balls. Is, it, is this the Bro. same? Is this the same Bigelow that had Skinwalker Ranch? Are you talking about the same I Bigelow? Think so. I okay, think I got, so. I got to look into that because I wasn't aware that he ditched him, but I thought that I he saw was about to last time I checked. Yeah, there was a Jesse Ventura a long time ago did a whole di- big dig on him. Yeah, you know, Bigelow, big dig. <laughs> I like right. messed words up, right? Um, I think of T. Did you know? if I'm thinking of Skinwalker Ranch and Bigelow, that the first space station was not NASA, but actually Bigelow, and it was called Genesis 1, and then he put up a second space station called Genesis 2. And if you don't believe me, ladies and gentlemen, about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, I'm going to bring it up because I don't like to make claims on my show. Um, Space station, there it is. Uh, Genesis 1. Uh, do, do, Do save my page because, you know, all my lefty friends love Wikipedia. <laughs> there it is. Uh, do is experimental habitat designed and built by private American Bigelow Aerospace, launched in 2006. And then later on, uh, he had Genesis 2. Um, I'm going to just type that in Genesis 2. Hey, you sound like me trying to fill in the dead air. Can, yeah, there we go. You kind of read out what you type. Yeah, that was the next uh, space habitat that was created. Um, I mean, this don't you find that kind of odd that a guy who's heavily involved in the military-industrial space revolution technology is getting behind Gavin Newsom and yet worse, and then backing away, and we're supposed to believe he's not running for president? So that's the other thing about Bigelow. Bigelow is obviously intrigued by space. Mm-hmm. And he knows that Trump's uncle was one of the only people to view uh, Tesla's documents after he died. Remember that? John mm-hmm. G. Trump? Yes, I do. And we also know that Trump, didn't he allude to, or wasn't one of his sons, about what was going on in Roswell? He kind of like floated it. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, Junior. I think Junior floated that right. out there uh, several years ago. Right. So they know something. There's right. some kind of technology that they're trying to get and corner the market on. And the dark journalist that I listen to on YouTube every once in a while, he talks about that constantly. So you can go over there and get a lot more information than what I'm just alluding to. Yeah, dark journalist, come join us for a show someday. Yes. We, we both really enjoy <laughs> you. And uh I, I I would love to have you on the show uh, so I can see your suit and realize that I do not dress up nearly nice enough for my audience. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if he's in pajamas on the bottom? Just wears a shirt. <laughs> he, he has like Christmas PJs on or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, so man. The, the point is with Bigelow is that yeah. he's going after people that are aligned to space in some way. Look at Trump. Look at John G. Trump. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, look at uh, DeSantis. He's got NASA down there. And then you have things, and I'll, I'll allude to the dark journalist again, the hot zone. And what they call the hot zone is basically the Bermuda Triangle and all throughout the Caribbean. So if you want to do any sort of work below the Caribbean Sea, you've got to sign an NDA because they don't want you to release what you find out down there. And then you also can tie it to Bimini and all that other stuff. So with, with the Bimini Road. Um, right. So... What we're getting at here is it looks like we have this mega donor that is completely intrigued with the esoteric and space. So I think that's the connection. So I I don't know Newsom's connection 
right. to space. I'm assuming there's got to be something with California. I mean, gosh, there's got to be something out there. I, I highly, for those of you that are fans of Gavin Newsom in any way, shape, or form, I highly recommend you look up some of the videos of him back before he was governor, where uh, he was at that time an alcoholic and yes. said that he wasn't an alcoholic. I forget what terminology he used to redefine that, but it's pretty oh, funny. Okay. I, I just yeah. don't have it in front of me, but uh, he was really struggling having issues. And uh, his girlfriend at the time was like 20 years old. Is, is, is remembering this as the story in the video that. Right. She was like and, 20, uh, but she was getting liquored up with him. So yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're interviewing him about this and just watching how slimy he is about it. I'm going, you know what? For all the people on the left that want to be like, oh, Donald Trump is slimy. They better take a dose of their own medicine and look at Gavin Newsom as well. Here's my problem, Chris. If you're Ron DeSantis, your campaign hasn't been going well, right? Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is still wiping the floor with you, despite the fact he's got these 91 charges, as Layman liked to point it out, um, even though I think that most of those charges are bunk. But he's got all these charges, and he's wiping the floor of DeSantis. What does DeSantis have to gain by debating somebody who's not even running for president? It's a way to actually get him out there. Because think about it. Every Republican debate has been a non-entity. When was the last time you talked about a Republican debate? The only person we really hear about is Vivek Ramaswamy. And then we hear about that miserable shrew, Nikki Haley, who, by the way, we find out that Nikki Haley is getting funded from Hillary Clinton donors. So what's that? Of course she is. Of course she is. Why is, you know, Hillary Clinton donors... Got to fund a new war. Right. And then she's got the backing of the Koch brothers. I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, this seems like the prime candidate, right? <laughs> did did so, you see did you yeah. see that they're all hanging out again, by the way? Clinton. What do you mean? The Obamas. They all got off the plane together to go to Jimmy yes. Carter's wife's I was wondering funeral. if it was going to be an L L G B L J and then Baines Johnson. L B J moment. There we go. <laughs> remember that uh remember that photo of him on the plane, the wink? Well, Barack was that? not on the plane. Oh, he wasn't. Barack was not on the plane. Oh, so that was the biggest thing is since the chef has died, here's the tea for those that wanted to get the TMZ type style scoop Spill from my it. show, which Spill. I normally don't do. Apparently Barack Obama and Michelle Obama that have not been seen in public recently. Um, they're not standing next to one another when they are in the same vicinity, but they're not seen in public together. And people are stating that the chef has caused a division, the death of him in their marriage. <sighs> Scandalous. <laughs> well, I've heard they, they've been on the rocks for some time. Yeah. Way before the chef. Yeah. But I, I, I heard that after Tucker Carlson did the whole, like, uh, whatever that uh, guy's name was, Larry or whatever accused him of uh sleeping with him multiple times and doing coke you remember right. that uh, um, yeah what was his name i don't remember his name larry sinclair, sinclair? larry right? sinclair that's right that's ever right. since the larry sinclair thing people are saying that they haven't been seen together my so. big question about that whole airplane ride yeah was did biden wait for clinton on the car on the tarmac that is my big question. I would like to see them both walking down to see who shuffers, shuffles Shuffer. their feet. Yeah, shuffles. Dude, uh, all right. Before we go on, I got to yeah. tell people, there's a solar storm going on right now. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I have been speaking like a, I've got a dozen marbles in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Screwing up words, can't focus. I've got brain fog. 
and I haven't done a thing other than sit here and talk. Yeah, so I'll tell everybody, uh, follow Suspicious Observers, Ben Davidson. Um, I actually had told people to tomorrow to monitor your anxiety levels as well as for those that have uh, cardiac issues to be mindful of your cardiac issues because we are getting ready to be hit by three solar strikes in a row. Now, these are not like kill shots where it's going to knock out all of our communications where people need to be concerned, but we're in a KP6, KP7 storm, and that does affect the human body. Um, and so I highly recommend people go and they research some of that because when we get these type of storms that are earth facing, when they hit, you will have people that have psychotic breaks. You will have people that have heart attacks. You will have people that, um, have just, uh, some extra heart palpitations or their brain is in a fog because that is the electromagnetic universe of which we live in. And, uh, it's interesting because I used to talk about this like 10, 15 years ago and everybody's like, Oh, whatever new agey science job. Right. And now it's finally, the papers are out there where people are studying it. NASA's done the research. We're like, Oh yeah, this stuff has a major impact on human beings. (laughs) Yeah. It's important. You don't say electromagnetic fields. It does something, huh? Yeah. We're all electromagnetic beings. Gosh, darn. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was making a joke about, the Clintons meeting, uh, what's her face on the tarmac? Who did he meet? Uh, uh Condoleezza Rice, <laughs> no, years ago. <laughs> no, no, this was, was she back, not Condoleezza Rice. Not, not, who was I thinking of? See, now, Stop. see, it must be the solar flare. So now I'm screwing up my names. Stop. It was there's it was a joke a, in there. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Condoleezza Rice on my mind? <laughs> It's just happened. Oh man, with those uh, teeth. But no, she she took the um file. She down. took the meeting during the email scandal on the tarmac. Yes. With she ended up crying, and then all of a sudden Hillary Clinton got yeah, off scot. Bam. Everything was gone. Yep. Yep. Poof. yep. yep. That, that's that's what I was thinking of. But so look, I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to come up with candidates to replace Biden. And I think <laughs> this is a way to get the attention onto what both parties would like to see run for office. And what's even worse is that you've got the lantern-jawed schmuck, Sean Hannity, being the one to, uh, not narrate this, but uh, host the debate. Now, the problem with Sean Hannity is this. One, he doesn't put on a very good show. I'm sure he's a nice person. He doesn't put on a very good show. I've listened to him. I'm not so sure he's a nice person. You're not going to get that crap on my show. I was trying to be. You know, I can't maybe. stand Sean Hannity. I, I hate him. Sean Hannity you know, could I, invite I, me on, offer me a million dollars. I'm going to say where he can shove it. <laughs> Dead serious. But he wears a CIA pin on his lapel. I know. And, and I mean, he interferes think? with U.S. elections and the way he uh, maintains right. his interviews and goes about conducting business. Yeah. Of course. So, like, what do you think is really going on here? They're trying to feather the nest and they're trying to prepare the, the public for what they really want in 2024, because they think that Trump probably is not going to make it for some reason, especially with these articles coming out. What happens in the Republican primary if Trump dies? Well, why would you put that out into the, <laughs> out into the ether? Right. Unless you had plans on it for some reason. It's bizarre what's going on, man. Like, I, I just, you know, to go back to that civility conversation from Wednesday, because I don't think we really, we kind of got sidetracked with layman 
and wound up down a different path. But I played that video um, that didn't make it onto the the show on Wednesday. I ended up cutting it because we did get sidetracked. But we talk about civility in society, that if you go into New York City or any of our major cities now, there's more looting. We have individuals that are legalizing the fact that you can loot uh, you know, in small amounts. Now it's acceptable theft. I was taught back when I was a child that you don't steal from the candy jar in the store candy aisle because it would jack up the price of everybody else's candy later in the future, that it was theft no matter how small. But society now has bent the rules on morality. We've bent the rules on what's ethical, Chris. And I think that we're starting to see the uh, everything's coming down to the wire. And it almost feels like we're in this uh, friction point, a, a convection, so to speak, of all these different areas of life are going to come crashing down at once. And I feel like we can feel it. If that makes any type of sense, I feel like as yes. human beings, we can feel that the energy around us is not kind. It's not right. And although people are trying to make it more kind, they're trying to focus on what they've got and focus on the love. The cloud is getting so much more dark for individuals and they've gotten away from their connectiveness to what's beyond that we are not able to deal with the storm that's about to come. And uh, I don't think we have a lot of time, buddy, before we got to get ourselves right for whatever this transition period is of the way people start thinking. Not only that, we got to get away from the coastlines, right? (laughs) That's a whole other episode (laughs) with Ben Davidson coming up one of these days. We'll do that again. I think you're right because a lot of people say this. A lot of people feel this kind of agitation, and it's been building and building and building. And they thought in 2020, if they just stole the election, I, I'm sorry, if they win the election, this will all go away, and Trump will go away, and this MAGA feeling of we need law and order back will just you know, go into the vapors, go into the ether, and never be heard from again. But that didn't happen because – Everything is, is, is diametric. If it goes one way, there's going to be pushback on another. There's got to be that balance of all the time, all the time. And that even goes in our lives and it goes in the, in the political environment too. So there's been this buildup for four years of, we want retribution. We want things to go back to normal again, where justice is served the Hunter Biden laptop is real. Anthony Weiner's laptop has awful things on it, and we need to talk about it. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> all of this, all of these items have to be brought back into the fore, and there needs to be some kind of closure. And if we really want to go down this road, JFK too. <laughs> yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah, right. We're still not allowed to know, and you and I right. weren't even alive for it. But I'll, we'll go back to Dark Journalist. Uh, he brings up a story about um, talking to Judge Napolitano, where Trump was supposed to re- uh, release the JFK files. And Napolitano said, well, you, why didn't you do it? And Trump said, well, if you knew it was in there, you wouldn't release it either. It would be so damaging to the country. Yep. But we, I think we're adultish enough. But going back to your original point, I, I do think we're on the cusp of something. Um, that that is going to to release a lot of energy 
and it's going to be fostering a lot of change. But I don't think it's gloom and doom. I think it's just needing to rip the Band-Aid off more than anything. I don't engage on Facebook often anymore. Like I just, Facebook isn't really part of my life, but because of having this show, I have the professional side of, oh, I have this guest coming up. Oh, I have this show coming up. If you guys want to check it out, feel free. And you heard me allude to it at the beginning of the show. But because of this change in energy, I have individuals that if they were in front of me to my face, I don't think that they feel comfortable writing or saying what they write to me. Um, because I'm willing to have these conversations, the courageous conversations, any day of the week, any place, anytime, anywhere. And the people that have met me understand that about me. And you either love that about me or hate that about me. But I feel like social media now is that tool that's actually part of the erosion of the civility of society because there's nothing that actually gets solved over social media. And when I was reading people's comments today, part of my thought process was, do you feel better about that now? I hope you feel better. <laughs> I hope you feel better. I hope whatever was going in your life that when you read and you had that emotional response and you're like, I need to write this immediately. This is dangerous, Greg, blah, blah, blah. The part of you is also like, I feel better now that I wrote it. Good. That's your therapy for the day. In the future, if you got a problem with something, reach out to me. My phone never rings. Does your phone ring, Michaels? Do people call you like mine? Sometimes. I, sometimes. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I talked to you and a couple other friends. That's it. I got my phone rarely rings, but I'm happy to have these conversations. Sure. I'm happy to engage. That's the only way some of this energy changes and flips is if we stop this connection and we move over to a connection that's this connection you and i having conversations and our neighbors having conversations because if we don't do that pretty soon we're going to be so divided and divided we fall well it's and the whole silo mm -hmm. they don't want us communicating i mean think about this when was the last time you saw an actual debate on a news show do you remember when MSNBC first came out? Yep. They used to have Imus in the morning on that, on MSNBC, and they used to have Crossfire. Crossfire, right? yeah. Pat Buchanan, Tucker Carlson. Could you imagine a Pat Buchanan? Until <laughs> John Stewart destroyed Tucker right. Carlson. <laughs> right. Could you imagine a Pat Buchanan on an MSNBC today? Yeah. I mean, MSNBC fired that guy today. Or they, or the oh, I missed it. I missed it. Because they found out that he was uh, promoting all kinds of Hamas rhetoric oh. and going around saying that he should kill white people or whatever it was. I don't remember. But they, they just fired him off. They were keeping him there until they had enough complaints. So you have these news organizations that are completely siloed. They don't want any other rhetoric in there. It's only their rhetoric. MSNBC is the worst offender, in my opinion. Yeah. I just got a lot... I yeah, if they get another idea in there, then someone could say, oh, man, Pat Buchanan really doesn't sound that bad. My, my problem with the media at this point in time is MSNBC, I know, is only going to be left-leaning. I know it. But I will give MSNBC credit. MSNBC does not sensationalize the headlines nearly like Fox News. At any point in time, if I go to Fox News and I go to their website, 
if you look at the way that the uh, articles are written, they're completely sensational headlines. Um, I'm just pulled it up just for a quick moment, right? I wanted to see what's on the front page of, uh, of the of Fox News to to compare for people. Senate hearing explodes as Democrats subpoena conservative donor activist. Ivy League president bows to pro-Palestine activist omits Jewish students from speech. When I teach journalism, I talk about words like explodes, words like bows, these qualifiers that don't belong in journalism because they're sensational, right? They are taking a feeling immediately and putting it into the, the, the piece that's going to be there. Now, the one news media that has actually changed a bit has been CNN. They've really changed what they're doing. You can look at MSNBC. Kagan just dismantled GOP arguments at the Supreme Court. Did she really dismantle them? Did she like take them all down? Who knows? Right. I, I'm <laughs> quickly scrolling through MSNBC right now. Kentucky reaches a new low in white Christian nationalism. <laughs> Did they reach a new low or what was the previous low? I'm just curious if you can share that with me. Uh, well, have you ever heard Lawrence O'Donnell say anything? Have you, do you remember uh, Rachel Maddow? You're telling me that right. MSNBC doesn't sense. I try not to remember this, Rachel Maddow. I mean, the last time I heard of Rachel Maddow, she was fishing in Western Massachusetts. Oh, good for her. I hope she Trump. never comes back. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, there's a fish joke in there, if you know what I mean. So she's fishing. Maybe she maybe she can go to the Obamas and go fishing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think that I don't think the ending would be the same in that case. That I, well, you never know. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I know. And there's so many ways to go. But that's a, that, that's Maddow. that's never she's, mind. She immediately stops her fishing trip because Trump is about to be indicted or impeached or whatever. And then when she gets to the studio, she's sobbing because it's not as bad as she thought it would be. <laughs> and justice has escaped. I mean, or or Keith Olbermann. Do you remember him? Oh, God. Keith Olbermann was the absolute what worst. is wrong with he, that guy? He has gone delusional. But you know what? I think, nice. I think that's the best part. Like, you've been doing the show with me for a little bit now. You've met me. We've talked. We've actually met in person outside of talk and like we become friends am i a, a trump apologist in any way shape or form oh okay <laughs> you really so aren't. now so now that we've established that the best part is these keith alberman types have been brainwashed that anything that even supports remotely anything right-leaning immediately you're a MAGA republican you supported donald trump and his presidency it's a sickness it's a sickness people and if you are involved in that sickness there's professional help i want you to go and check if you have health insurance on the back of the card <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't want to do be too mushrooms do acids something i mean un, un, release that emotional and spiritual stress that you have i mean go walk not... outside smell the flowers for a yeah. quick moment pet a dog something. Have a drink, smoke a cigar, do something. Do something better than... These uh. people act just the way they did during COVID. Because I remember I was getting physically threatened during mm -hmm. COVID for daring to say that just because they put the cause of death as COVID on the death certificate doesn't mean it was actually COVID. Correct. And people got mad at me and they tried to call me out behind the bike racks and they actually gave me their number. 
Yeah. No, no, don't bother the fact that Granny was 85 years old in a nursing home with terminal cancer and only had about another week to live. It yeah. was COVID. Yeah. Don't mind the fact that somebody was in heart failure and they were found to have COVID in their body. It was COVID. Or where was the flu? Don't mind the there. fact that every single COVID reported death gave the hospitals a bonus for hazard pay in dealing with COVID. And yet the gall of these individuals that wouldn't listen to me or you back then to not apologize. I, I'm sorry, but that still to this day doesn't sit well with me. The fact that they refuse to look at the facts years later and go, Oh God, I was wrong. Or maybe they just have this selective memory or maybe they have this protective part. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can't. You know what? That maybe speaks more can't. to their character. That speaks Maybe. more to their characters. I will tell people when I screw up and when I make a mistake. Because and that's often—it's—it's <laughs> it's spiritual, emotional, and, and on a certain level, a maturity level, um, cowardice. Right. Because you can't admit to yourself that, hey, wait a minute, I may really f myself up and mm -hmm. f my family up with this stuff. But now you hear white lung syndrome. Did you start to hear about this nonsense? What white people do now? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. What, what's white lung Caucasian syndrome? Caucasian respiratory. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is it? Well, now we've got China. Oh, the, oh, that that story. Oh, yeah, oh, we've got. You mean kids. you mean you mean walking pneumonia? Yes, we have walking pneumonia. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's pneumonia, but it's going after children. Now, here's the problem with all of this. They call it um, my, myoplasmic or something pneumonia, my plasma, yeah. whatever it is, right? So you look at this, a quick search, you find out that it's mostly found in children. Uh, and more often than not, these children have syphilis. So they're getting the syphilis from their mothers. However, if you go into the NIH or the library of Dr. Fauci, you find out that there's a case study, 44-year-old woman got injected with the vaccines. Six days later, she comes down with all of these symptoms. And part of the problem that she experienced was immunodeficiency. What did she have? She had this kind of pneumonia. Hmm. So what are we talking about? We're talking about potentially adverse events because of immunodeficiency. And we're also talking about adverse events because in the articles that have been published that the who has also signed off on, they contributed the sicknesses in China right now due to the immature health of children because of lockdowns. Oh, that they weren't exposed to all of these viruses in the timeline that they normally would be exposed to it, which is why they're seeing it. But, you know, people don't want to read what the who said when it doesn't support what they believe the who should have said. They also said it was just like walking pneumonia and it was not concern for them because it was a known respiratory illness. They were not dealing with anything unknown, but sound the fear alarms because all of a sudden they're like masks are back in China. And it's right along that November timeline when that started that COVID started. So I'm going to tell you, Michaels, if all of a sudden Gates just said, wait till they see what comes next. If all of a sudden in February we're talking about, you know, people convulsing in the streets in China and possibly coming to the United States, 
The fix is in. I'm not buying what they're selling. Uh, uh, oh, I'll tell you this. I got the name. So it's pneumonia mycoplasma. Okay. And that is supposedly on uh, the adverse, uh, the package insert for the shots from Pfizer. Now, really? I tried to do a search for that. I couldn't find it uh, because I know there are a couple of package inserts. So I can't definitive, definitively say that. Uh, but I do know the NIH study. And I can send you that link. Yeah, send it to me. Oh. Did you know that uh, Texas Attorney General sued Pfizer this week? Yes. Yeah. Uh, stating that they misrepresented the company's COVID nineteen vaccine. Mm-hmm. They, now, here's my problem. This led the statistics. Yes, because they said it was ninety five percent efficacy. Right. And, and the AG is saying it's really 085 percent efficacy. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem that I see them having. They're going to say nobody was forced to get it. And you can say, well, the mandates and the, the employers and whatever else. But now they've destroyed all the evidence, right? The employers mm-hmm. have destroyed all of the evidence and got rid of everything. So there's no HIPAA violations. But when you got these shots, didn't you have to sign something? Uh, yeah, I did. And I couldn't even tell you what I signed when right. I sat down. I Don't forgot you all think about it that. Could have been a waiver. Probably, I forgot all. Telling that. you that Crap. you're part of a trial. I sat at Walgreens and he put paper in front of me, and the guy actually berated me. He goes, "Don't you trust the science?" When I started asking him questions, and I almost walked out, and I should have. Right. So this screw is, you, I Walgreens. Think... <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like screw you, Walgreens and Hocus in Delaware. I'm going to just put them on blast for having the person that gave me that say those words to me and whatever other stupid things they came out with to other individuals back in 2021. You know, I have to say, um, you like this side of me better when I'm a little spicy. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. You got a little fire in your belly. I do. I do. I'm awake today. Yeah. You're sitting on a tack or something. You got to burn your saddle. (laughs) No, I have to say that, that the people that, that fought against this, they think about what they went through, and I'm tooting my own horn indirectly here. <laughs> billions and billions of dollars of propaganda, coercion, HIPAA violations, constitutional violations. Now in New York, you've got the court case that uh, was appealed, or there was an appeal that allows the governor to basically round people up for any reason, for a health emergency, a climate emergency, right. and keep them in there indefinitely. I mean, you can go through an appeals process, if I remember the legislation, like every nine days or something like that. You can get a hearing. But, it, it, I mean, just look at the court system in New York. You know, your your social credit score isn't good, so forget about it. But for people that, people that, that fought against that, you have to give them some level of props, especially yeah. if they're not, they're not haughty about it. You know, they don't rub it in your face. They're empathetic on a certain level. I don't mind if they do rub it in my face. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you're looking for a true leader, they're the people that you should pick as leaders next time we need leadership. Oh, man. They're the people that can get away from the coercion, get away from the strong arm, strong hold. Um, and, you know, they didn't cause other people to die. And anyone that's oh, still pushing God. that narrative, ridiculous. God almighty, I hate that. <laughs> 
we gotta wrap it up, yes, Michaels, because this is like Michael an hour and twenty plus <laughs> minutes on the America Out Loud network of broadcasting brilliance, as you like to call it. Um, and it really was. This was a fun show uh, today. Um, I enjoyed talking with Jake. Enjoyed talking with you. And we'll have to uh, get Jake on again. I- I'd love to do a-, a longer show and upset more of my uh, friends <laughs> that I'm printing. Yeah, on. we can get into the energy stuff. Exactly. See what Why he not? Knows. Yeah. Um, all right, brother. Well, uh, what do we got uh, coming up on? Uh, what what you cover on your show this week? What, what can people uh, tune in and find? Well, you can go to any podcasting platform that you so choose, and you can find the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels all over. You can follow me on X at Last Call Caravan. I will probably be writing more satirical and sarcastic posts because we found out through uh, Michael Schellenberger and his report on the CTIL, which is basically the censorship organization that the U.S. government was using on foreign soil to get around the Constitution, uh, their AIs and their robots cannot effectively discern sarcasm and satire from actual speech. So you have to exercise that sarcasm gland. (laughs) I know a lot of humans like that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm likely the most sarcastic teacher in the building and uh, my students are always like Bolton and the students that don't get sarcasm they struggle with me um, <laughs> especially at 7 30 in the morning when that starts off wow i could lots, do that yeah lots of geniuses at that time of the day well michaels uh everybody make sure you're going to the last call with chris michaels podcast spotify as well as all the other networks you can find it as always you've been listening here to america emboldened here on the america out loud network it's been a blast bringing the episode hope that we honored your time well and i'll do it all over again next week with you all as we have lots of great interviews coming up i have uh the liz collin Liz Collin, who did uh, the film on Derek Chauvin, uh, she's in touch with me and we're trying to get lined up for hopefully Wednesday of next week. We'll, we'll get her on and uh, we'll have a blast there and we'll do the weekly recap once again with Chris Michaels. In the meantime, if you'd like to help support the show, go on over, buy me a cup of coffee. You can do so at buy me a coffee. There we go. Buy me a coffee.com slash bold America. Uh, It's very simple. You go on to there. They make it as easy as possible, but I could use your support. It helps bring shows like today directly to you. So make sure you're going over there and uh, offering that support. I'd super appreciate it. That is it. That is all for everybody that followed online on the video format. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you and wrap, do this all once again next week. Be bold America.